front end and we'll pray on the back end as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Ephesians 6, verse 10 today. Does anyone know who Bernie Madoff is? Remember Bernie Madoff? You invest any money with him? Didn't go so well. Anyone ever get the phone call? I'm calling about your car's extended warranty, which is about to expire. I, I upgraded to the new extended warranty, and I'm, I'm stoked. I paid my Pico bill five times this week. It's been marvelous. Um, and I bought a bridge. You ever fall victim to a scheme? You guys with me? You ever fall victim to a scheme? Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet, putting on the readiness of the gospel, readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is a word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So it's a simple sermon. Put on the armor of God. Don't fall victim to the devil's schemes. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's prepare to take the Lord's Supper. No? This text can be messed up so many different ways. Y'all wearing the belt of truth today? Hoorah! Helmet of salvation on? Are you wearing it? Who's wearing the belt of truth? So you're all just comfortably disobeying God's admonition? What, what, what is this about? And who, who does this? Who puts it on? It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, right? But before that it says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. What, what is going on here? Can we talk amongst friends? Better yet, family. Can we talk amongst family? Have you ever fallen prey to a scheme of the devil? And I want to slow down here because I really, if we miss this, we can just skip the rest. You don't have to answer, but I want you to think, have you ever fallen prey to a scheme of the devil? Can you list like 12 of them right off the top of your head? Isn't that interesting how he's, he's roaring about like a, 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 man, come on lips, catch up. He's prowling about like a lion, seeking to devour, but it's so subtle and masquerading as an angel of light, we, we can't pick it up so easily. Let me ask you differently. Right now, where is the devil attempting to trick you with a scheme? Hello, I'm calling about your car insurance, which is about to expire. We kind of know, hang up. 
Well, what do the schemes of the devil look like? You know, he's got million, millions, thousands of years of experience in, in analyzing people. He knows us better than ourselves. He's more powerful than we are. He's very successful. He's the, the, the God of this world, the, the, the God of the kingdom of darkness, lowercase g. He, he's very proficient at messing y'all up, me included, in ways that are so easy to miss, in ways that are so subtle. He's not all powerful. He's under the authority of God, but he's more powerful than you. He'll chew you up if you come at him by yourself. You don't, don't go trying to do battle with the devil on your own. But how do you know where these things are? Well, what does the devil go after? Hey, Jerry, come on and let's go eat dog poop at the park. Jerry's like, okay, who's going to do that? Hey, uh, Dan, you know all those times Dylan did you wrong? <clears throat> don't you want to punch him in the face? Hit him. Okay, he's going to, no, don't, this would be awkward. Um, Guys, Pastor John's a real jerk. Let's jump him after church and throw dirt and mulch at him and, and kick him around while his back's out. That's not how the devil works, is it? Well, how'd the devil work with Adam and Eve? Hey, check this out. Eat that fruit, you'll die. You'll get kicked out, you'll be miserable, your relationships will be ruined, your kids will murder each other, and the world will fall apart. You want to bite? It doesn't go like that, does it? He also doesn't sound like that inside your head, does he? Sounds more like, well, that's a delicious looking piece of fruit. Do you know you want to take a bite of it? Why, 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 what's holding you back? Did, did God really say you would die? Did, I mean, really, think about it. Doesn't he love you? Well, he wouldn't hold back from you. Go ahead and take a bite. Where do you fall into the trap of thinking you're other than you really are in Christ? I'm a failure. Nobody likes me. I'm pathetic. I, I can't do anything well. I, I fail at everything I touch. I'm, I'm just a loser. Or, I am strong. I'm wise. I'm capable. I'm good looking. I'm the best of the best. I am the king of the world. Where does he try to convince you God is other than he truly is? You know, God is good, yes. God is all-powerful, yes. Where does the devil try to convince you? God was really good, would he let you go through this? If God was really kind and looking out for you, would he have made you like this? You don't, come on now. God helps those who help themselves, right? Where, where does he convince you the commandments of God are other than what they are? Burdensome versus joy and a delight. Where, where does he convince you accommodating a little sin is okay? You know, where does individualism, consumerism, hypersexualization, and materialism come in? Where does individualism, I'm, I'm good on my own. Give me the Bible, I got the Holy Spirit, I'm good to go. Scheme of the devil. How about uh, kids, sports, and activities? The devil loves to rip families apart. How many hours you got with your kid? I got a great idea, put, put them in school. Put them in daycare and school and extracurricular activities. We'll call it socialization. Side note, you want to socialize a dog, not a child, but we'll get into that another time. Put them in the programs. Put them in this. You'll make them happy. They could play. They, listen, your kid's going to be a professional athlete. 
And if they're a professional athlete, everyone's going to be so happy and they're going to be rich and you're going to be rich because professional athletes are the happiest people in the world. Do you know any of them? Let, let, let them work out their, their, their inner desires because you, you want them to, to be complete and robust and be the best they can be. Is that biblical or is that a scheme of the devil? I'm, I'm just asking. It's Make sure the devil wouldn't say, make sure you don't spend any time with them. Let somebody else train them up in the ways of the world. Keep them away from you. Get them busy. Don't, don't, don't tell them about a church. Tell them about a, a peer group and activities. Uh, fun, fun, fun. I don't know. Consumerism, materialism. Anybody here feel like they make too much money and go to their boss and say, no, it's too much? Uh, can I give back 20%? I, I know Derek did this last week. He went to his boss and said, you're just paying me too much. Like, uh, this is more than I possibly could need because Christ is sufficient. So he gives back half his paycheck every week, right? Wrong. Derek's got to go to Cracker Barrel. It's expensive. <laughs> why, 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 why do we believe the lie that more is better? Why? Listen, I, I got the issues too. I was out watching my kids work yesterday and one of the properties they care for is it's got 12 bays for cars, 12 garages. Like, that would make me content. It's got a beautiful pool secluded in the back. It has rolling hills, totally private. It's, it's gorgeous. If I could have that, I'd be so happy. And I forget, I kind of grew up like that, and people didn't smile and weren't happy all the time. But why do we struggle with the schemes of the devil? When you sit down in your home and you're like, yeah, if I could just update that room, then I'd be content. You ever fall into that trap? Now, it's different for me because it's true. <laughs> what, what about relationships? What, 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 are, are they worth it? Are they kind? How, how does the devil seek to destroy the church, the family, the, the, the central elements that we've been looking at in Ephesians? So I'll ask this question slowly yet again. Where does the devil's schemes play in to destroy? Where does he want to rip husband from wife, and how does he do it? Parents from children, and how does he do it? Members from the body, and how does he do it? Where does he tempt us in? Now, it, it shouldn't be that complicated to see, should it? But it should, because in light of Ephesians, Paul says, finally, so in light of Ephesians 1 through 5 in the first nine verses of 6, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This will not be a one-week sermon. So sorry. So let's look at how we put the armor on and why we put the armor on. And then we'll start getting into the armor a little bit today and then next week we'll unpack it. Sound good? If not, I don't care. It's what I prepared, but I hope it sounds good. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Can we, can we just be transparent? Who doing it? I have the belt of truth. Wow, that's kind of, kind of weathered. I need a new belt of truth. I have donned the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, and the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. I go into battle in the name of Yahweh, of whom I am. Stand and fight, devil. The medieval accent is awesome, isn't it? <laughs> he 
Hitherto where art thou, Macbeth? All right, you know. Is that what we do here? You want to just suit up and run out? It's not going to look so good. You'll look like me when I was two. Do you know what I wore when I went out when I was two? I wore a rain cap. I wore, no, no, I didn't. I changed that at two. I wore a football helmet. I wore cowboy boots. I wore two revolvers, cap gun revolvers and double holster. And I carried a purse full of those little plastic refills. It's keeping my mama safe. So when we walk in the stores, pew, 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 I could be shooting the bad guys. At two, it's kind of funny. You know, when, you, when you're getting a little older than two, it kind of looks a little sketchy. I mean, I didn't want to bring this up at church, but I did see Mike at Target. And, and really? You're wearing what I wore when I was two? But anyway, I know you were keeping the baby safe, but no, it's, I'm joking. I'm joking. The first thing you need to realize is this isn't about you wielding the armor. It's about God's strength for you through the armor. We'll unpack this over the coming weeks. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. So who's doing this, me or God? Yes, both. I'll show you how. How did you come to faith? Ephesians 2. Remember verse 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5? Of course you remember it. I preached it. How could you forget it? You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world among whom we all once walked in the passions of the flesh, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, gave us an opportunity to trust in him which we took. Now, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Do you want to know how you mature in your salvation? Because when you come to faith, you're not immediately mature. Did you guys know that? Do you know how you mature in your salvation? God matures you. Now, do you know how God matures you? Through the activation of the new life in Christ and the energy that he causes to be at work within you. The new heart, the new spirit at work within you. So when Paul says put on, he's talking to the new you, the regenerate you, the one enabled by God to do this. Ephesians 3.20. You remember Ephesians 3.20? Of course you do. But we'll turn to it because I can't remember it off the top of my head. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the what? Power at work within us. Whose power? His power. You see what's going on there? Sounds a lot like Colossians 1.29, the power at work within us. Whose power? God's power. Where? In us. Or you go to Ephesians 4.16 and look at that whole section and how the power of God at work within us is activated and talks about the, the, the resurrection power, the sovereign power, and the church power. So what's going on here? You read something like James 4.7, 1 Peter 5, 1 Corinthians 16.13. Philippians 2.12, something like, I can do all things through whom Christ who strengthens me. We'll get to that in a minute, and let me tell you a little story, in fact, about that verse. Philippians 4.13, there's a story of an old pastor who lived in Wales, I believe it was, who took this verse, and you guys know what it says? Flip over to it. Philippians 4. Let me flip over to it this way. Philippians 4.13. And so he took it like this. Paul says, 
I can do all things. And then he has a back and forth. Paul, you're a crazy arrogant man. What do you mean you can do all things? There's no way you can do all things. We work our way through scripture. You cannot glorify God. You cannot do a good work. You cannot raise yourself from the dead. You cannot cause yourself to follow God. You cannot forgive yourself. You cannot do lots of things. You arrogant man. What do you mean you can do all things, Paul? I thought you knew better of all men. Oh, wait, he says. Let me keep reading. I can do all things, what? Through him who strengthens me. Oh, Paul, forgive me, says the old preacher from Wales. I didn't realize there were two of you. I thought you were just speaking of one. Do you see the difference there? I can do all things only if I finish that verse off. I can stop the schemes of the devil from overtaking me. Yeah, only if you round that off. How can I stop the schemes of the devil? How do I know what God is calling me to do? I do it in the strength of his might, being strong in the Lord. Do you see what's going on there? See, here's the kicker. The devil's not really after you. It's not you. It's God's glory he wants to take. You're just part of the battle because you're a child of God. You're part of the family of God. But the battle is the Lord's and the Lord's will have victory. The Lord already does have victory. And he calls you to fight a battle that's already one. It, it, it's a bit like, oh man, I wish my head was a little bit quicker here. Second Chronicles, one of the kings, good king, followed in the ways of Asa, maybe it was chapter 20, and, and there's the, the army's coming in, and they're freaking out, and they pray to God, and God says, don't you worry, I'll win the battle for you. This will come to me in like five minutes, and then if you're still paying attention, I'll give it to you. The, the point is, the battle is the Lord's to win. He includes us in the battle by his power to fight. So, so don't try fighting the battle as a one-on-one. Realize this is about God. This is about God's glory. This is about God fighting the devil in the victory. And let me show you quite simply. We'll, we'll go through one. We're going to pray and take communion together. What's the first part of the armor that we're looking at? Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. What's that all about? Anybody have a belt of truth? Like I asked this three times and you all blank stare at me. I got a belt of a dead cow that's wearing out. Need a new belt. Time to go online this afternoon. Can you get a belt of truth on Amazon? I bet you can. Years ago, we made duct tape armor of God. You guys remember that? That's what it looked like. It was, it was fun. It was a fun project. But we had these PVC swords that we put foam on. You remember this? And we wrapped them in duct tape. And that was all. That was, that was it. Let's battle. We weren't fighting the devil. We were. I shouldn't say we. That's awkward. Laura, it wasn't me. It was just the kids. When you think of belt of truth, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Now, here's where, here's where it's so hard. If the first thing that comes to mind isn't the right thing coming to mind, the belt is going to be a little loose and floppy. Do you know why soldiers wore belts? This is not the case in the, the United States Armed Forces, but back in the day, soldiers didn't wear pants. They, they, they wore loose-fitting garments that you might want to pull up and belt up, because if not, you're going to run and fall all over yourself. So it holds everything in place so you can battle. But if you don't think of Isaiah 11.5 right off the bat, you're missing what's going on here. And I know that nobody thought of Isaiah 11.5 off the bat. 
because it's just not happening in our day and age, but it will happen as we leave here today. You guys know what Isaiah 11.5 is? So in the book of Isaiah, at this point, the Israelites are walking in rebellion against God. They're walking in darkness. They've turned from him. There are all sorts of problems that come from it. And God promises to send a Savior, a Redeemer, a Messiah, who will save them from their sin and restore them to God. He will send him, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The word faithfulness is the same word as truth. Jesus wore the belt of truth. Jesus has the victory with the belt on, and the victory with the belt on, he, intru- he doesn't entrust. He imputes to you. You're credited with the victory. You already have the victory because Christ wore the belt in your place. He is the Messiah of Isaiah 11.5. Do you see what's going on here? So the foundational truth of the belt of truth is who Christ is and who you are in him. Don't go getting into to Matthew too quick going, I got it, devil. Throw a verse at me. I'll come right back at you like my Lord did. Remember Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness? Aren't you hungry? Why don't you tell these stones to become bread and eat? Would Jesus have been sinning if he did that? Well, there's an interesting conversation for another time. But what does Jesus do? Does he go with the desires of the flesh or submit to the truth of God's word, the truth of who he was, who God is, and what God had called him to? He responds with scripture. It is said, it is said, It is said. So later on, Peter, put on the armor of God. The devil's coming after you. You're crazy. I got this victory in hand. I'll never deny you, not even once. Away from me, Satan. Not Jesus. Peter's not Satan, but Satan's going to sift him like wheat. He says, I'm good. I got all the armor on, Lord. They say, do you know this man? Who? You're one of Jesus' followers. What? I know you. I've seen you. No. And he curses himself. He's got the belt of truth. It's just not fastened real well in the might and power and strength of the Lord. So what does Jesus say to Peter? Die, sucker! You failed the battle. The devil has sifted you. You are gone. You didn't wear the belt. Is that what he said? He restores him, doesn't he? He restores him because that's what the belt of truth foundationally reminds us. If, if anyone says they're without sin, they're a liar. Any liars here? Whenever anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So the, the armor of God is not about victory in the sense of how you probably think of it. It's about demonstrating the strength of God through your weakness. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. This isn't, I got it, so when I fail, I just say sorry, and I'm wearing the... No, the goal isn't to flop around like a floundering fish, but it's to stand on the firm foundation of Christ, the firm foundation of being strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. When I am weak, then I am strong. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Where are you trying to, parents, raise your kids apart from Christ? Spouses, love one another apart from Christ. Christians, mature in your faith apart from Christ. Families, isolate yourself from a body apart from... These are the schemes of the devil. You know the difference between slogan Christianity and doctrinal Christianity? Slogans Slogans are great. They make absolutely no sense, but we love them. 
They're politically marvelous. They're, they're, for advertising, they work great. And then people like me ask questions and someone tells, just shut your mouth, who cares? You deserve a break today. Quick, where's that from? McDonald's, Patty's tight. I'm going, why? Like, why, 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 why do I deserve a break? Like, what are you basing that on, McDonald's? That's not how slogans work. Shut up and follow. Ah, yeah, ah, burgers. <laughs> I deserve a break today. We do it like you do it when we do it like we do it at Burger King. Well, wait, what do you, how, how do you know how I do it? And do you, do you really individualize at a fast food joint all your meals? So like, shut your mouth and go to Burger King. They'll, they'll do you what? Watch the slogan. Well, you ever do slogan Christianity? Here, here's the hard part. How well do you invest your time in meditating upon, studying, memorizing, contemplating, counseling others with, and being counseled by Scripture? That's doctrinal Christianity, slogan Christianity. God is love. God is love. I love it. It's so wonderful. Oh, he loves everybody. It says right there in the Bible, God is love. He does it like you do it when he does it in the Bible. What does that mean, God is love? What is love? What is love? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what, what is love? What does it mean that God is love if we don't know what love is? And what does love look like in action? See the difference between slogan and doctrine? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, says the athlete going into the ring for a fight. I, I, can I tell you, I root against every professional athlete that wears that stupid slogan on their eye black or on their, their robe going in. This is the whole point. You look like a blind fool when you lose. You know, this is not David battling Goliath, which is a side note, was not about big and little, but that's a conversation for another time. What does that mean, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? God is good, amen. But what does that mean, he does what you want him to do? What is good? Who is good? No one is good, but God, wait, 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 wait. So when we say God is good, we don't mean like good, like we say good, we mean perfect in all his ways. And so here's what happens. What would a scheme of the devil look like? Hypothetically, I'm just playing out there because I'm a crazy person who thinks too much and just needs to go get my burger because I deserve a break today. Hash browns? Guys, I'm taking a break. Anyone here have a Facebook? Don't put your hand up. Facebook account? In Instacart? I'm pretending I'm old. Instagram? Twitter? Right? Now, now, anyone here got a streaming service? You got Netflix, you got Hulu, you got a, a Disney Plus, you got a Paramount, Apple TV, Peacock. Someone's going past it. Don't act all righteous. You know all these things. I know. Listen, I'm not. Listen, I'm in this with you. Has anyone this past week? Can anyone comfortably say to me, on a regular case, maybe not one week, I have not had a moment to look at my my dopamine-inducing electronic screen. Haven't had a minute, have not touched a computer, haven't seen a television screen, 
haven't had a moment, haven't, nope, haven't heard any music in my ears. No, 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 I just haven't had a chance. How do we know the McDonald's theme song so well? I'll give you another one if you're a little bit older. Do, 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 the Brady Bunch, do, 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 the Brady Bunch, do, 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 do. You guys know the song, right? So why is scripture so hard to memorize, but TV slogans not so hard? When, when I go, what is love? Somebody knows the next part of that song, right? You ever been to a sporting event and you're 40 some odd years old and you turn to the person next to you and go, I can never memorize the lyrics to this national anthem thing. It's way too complicated. How, how do we all know this thing? How, how, do we, how do we know what's going on in people's lives? The devil loves to distract, to distort, to diminish, in a sense, to keep you from putting on the belt of truth. Who are you? We're going to talk about this in Sunday school. I, I really think we're going to have a marvelous conversation today, picking up from last week and um, rounding that off into this week. So it'll probably just be me and poor Dylan down there, now, now that scaring you away. Who are you? That's where the belt of truth starts. Who is God? What does the devil want for you? What does God desire for you? So as we run through life, busy as can be, there are two dangers. One danger is the lesser danger. Lesser people fall into this. The devil's behind every door. Oh, my car wouldn't start this morning. That rascally devil, he's messing with my starter. Oh, my back, the devil poked me in my sleep. Oh, the milk's empty. That darn devil, he got me again. It's raining away from me, Satan. Right? The devil's, every, everything's the devil's fault. TV went out. That devilly devil. The other side is there's no such thing as a devil. He's not interested in you. He's not around. Nothing going on. Don't worry about it. Just keep on going. Know that you deserve a break today. Yes, you do. They do it like you do it when they do it like they do it at Burger King. Mm -hmm. Why don't we bring that into the church a little bit? We do it like you do it when we worship like you worship at fill in the blank. We worship at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 1, which is most convenient for you. If that doesn't work, come the night before at 5, and we got the best bagels in town. Come on, we do it like you do it. You'll be here for 35 minutes because you deserve a break today. We, we go, we forget, we, we don't remember the devil's there. And so when we talk about Isaiah 11.5, we don't, listen, can we be totally honest with each other? How many of us spend any time in our lives as children of God in the book of Isaiah? It's slogan Christianity is what the devil tricks us into. We, we like slogans. Some of them, they cause visceral reactions. I'll give you two, and you all have a visceral reaction one way or another. Make America great again. Build back better. First of all, what the heck does that even mean? Right? But, but, but it sounds good. They're slogans. Well, we bring it into Christianity. God is good. What's that mean? I believe in God. Okay, but don't the demons believe in shudder? So, so, my friends, the first thing, the belt of truth is, is not to memorize all of Scripture, but to understand what Scripture is. Scripture is the living Word of God whereby He communicates with His people to let them know who He is and who they are and how to live in relationship to Him. 
I don't know why. I do know why. It's a combination of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that's how the, 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 the prince of the kingdom of darkness works. He manipulates all three things together in ways that are incredibly, incredibly difficult to pick up. But he loves, in our cultural context, to dumb us down. We, we don't need to know the, the, the sheer volume of information that we know. It's irrelevant, 99% of it. You ever read Brave New World or 1984? What's so interesting is, in the past, in our our context, the devil worked in different ways because people were approached life in a different context. Now it's just distract, distract, distract. What if we slow this down and we just marvel at the fact that you and I are not fully able to appropriate the armor of God? So don't go after this text like, all right, the belt of truth, I got it, I got to put on the belt of truth, I got to cinch it up good, and I got to fight like a man. There are kernels of truth in there, but you will fail miserably. Because you are not enabled by God to fully appropriate the truth every time. The gospel is Jesus did. Do, Do you see that? The battle is won in Christ. So when you battle in Christ, you you may falter, but ultimately you will be victorious because you are more than conquerors through Christ. Do do you see what's going on here? Let me round this off a little more for you as as we start to land the plane. Another danger as we work our way through this is a pragmatic approach. If I do these things, life works better for me and I'll have my best life now. Listen, if you do these things... Yes, one could argue life will work out better for you. It just might not feel better all the time. But this really isn't first and foremost about you. Why would you want to not fall victim to the schemes of the devil? Think about that for a minute. Why would you not want to fall victim to the schemes of the devil? Well, that's ultimately. Let's not go too far ahead. You think it'll go bad for you, right? Who wants it to go bad for you? Well, can I tell you a little secret that's not the best reason? Because for a time, it may go better for you. Listen, I'll give you a little secret. If you lie and cheat and steal, you'll be rich for a while. Until you get caught. And, and, and I remember earlier in Ephesians, God's sovereign view of all things. But here's what the real issue is. What did David get so mad about with Goliath? Anybody remember that? What was, what was David's big rub? What, what made him decide he was going to go fight Goliath? Because he, he had a short kid complex. You know, my brothers, they've been messing with me all these years. You little shepherd boy, I'm going to show them. I've been working out. I've been taking creatine out of the wilderness. I found steroids in my sheep. And I'm going to bust this man up. Come on, Goliath. Let's dance. And Goliath came out. He was all bulked up. <laughs> Who calls my name? Yeah, it's me, buddy. Let's dance. And David just starts, you know, like, like a, a little Muhammad Ali dancing around. Float like a butterfly, sling like a bee. You got it? That was not David's rub. What was David's rub? How dare you all let this guy mock God? What's wrong with you people? Don't you know who you are? You are the army of the living God and this Philistine bum is going to mock God? Not on my watch. Look what I can do in the strength of God. They're saying, David, you're this wee little shepherd boy. Yeah, but when I am weak, then you can see the strength of God. 
See, that's really what's going on there. And it wasn't about David first and foremost. Remember Jesus? I am Jesus. Nail me to that cross. I will rip it down and beat you in the skull with it because I am strong. Is that how he lived? Man of sorrow, suffering, servant, mighty to save. King of the universe, Lord of lords and King of kings. My, my friends, what we're after here is as we live, we put God on display in a sense. We are called by God's name. We are ambassadors of Christ. We represent God in the world. As we live, we portray his strength and glory and majesty. Through our weakness, we show his strength. As a world that lives captive to the schemes of the devil looks at the people of God, they should see a people not who are so mighty and perfect and righteously clean, but a people who cling to God that God preserves and perseveres to the end and provides for them perfectly and gives them a joy the world cannot have. The belt of truth, my friends, is the truth of God's word, the truth of who God is and who you are in Christ and how he promises to care for you. So if we back it all the way up, where am I falling victim to the schemes of the devil? Well, we know lots of the world's promises if we just don't think about how that works out. You raise kids, every parent will say inside their brain, I want my kids to be successful. I've not met the parent yet who says, I want to have kids and make them miserable. I'm going to work diligently for 21 years to screw this thing up, and then when they leave home, they will just flounder and starve to death on their own. You ever meet that parent? We all want our kids to be successful, amen? We want our kids to be happy, amen? We want our kids to be embraced by and part of a community for their good, amen? How do you do that, though? You see, the devil gives you all sorts of ideas, the world, the flesh, the devil, all mixed together, and, and God will tell you something different. What's success in raising a child? Well, why is that so hard to answer biblically? We all have tried it. Most of us have tried it for many years, practically. How about this? You get married. How many of you get married and go, I mean, I, we, Dylan and Kylie talked about this a lot. So our goal is to really make each other crazy. We, we want to try to drive each other insane and see if we can destroy this thing within 12 months, right? Who goes into marriage like that? Doesn't everyone who's married want to have a successful marriage and enjoy their spouse and live as one flesh, delighting in one another as you were made to in marriage? Well, how do you do it? The world has lots of great ideas. They don't work so well. God gives direction for those who are in Christ. It's called mutual submission, walking in the love of God so that the husband loves his wife as Christ loves the church, and the wife submits to the husband as the church submits to Christ and unpacking that. And why is it so hard for us to land that? You know, what, what about work? We're, we're made to labor. How do you decide what you're going to labor during your years in? You know, I, I grew up, I went to college, I got a degree in economics. You know why? Because when I was a little baby, I just loved economics. 
Mama, read John Milton more. Please, more macroeconomics today. Who the heck, like, how do you get there? It's not bad. Anybody who works in economics, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, that you can glorify God in the field of economics. But it's your labor in the Lord that will never be in vain. The labor apart from the Lord isn't going to deliver what you want it to. This is the schemes of the devil. They're, they're all around us. And, and what it is, it begins with an identity issue. I want to have value and relevance and significance. Every person deep down wants that. And the only way to have that is through the truth of who Christ is and that God saves. As parents, that's, that's a big play. As husband and wives, that's what knits you together as, as people who labor. I mean, this is just Ephesians end of 5 into 6, isn't it? That's why I'm picking these things. We can go broader. First, we must don the belt of truth and be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. That's where this whole thing starts. Paul takes us all the way back. So remember, it, it starts with this marvelous word here, finally. You're thinking, oh, finally, the preaching stuff is going to be over with the book of Ephesians. It is. A couple more weeks, we're out of Ephesians. And we have another one to go into. I'm excited for what's next. You have to wait to hear about that. But finally, so when you hear finally, go back here to the beginning of Ephesians. Do you remember how Ephesians began? Paul has a greeting. Then he goes through this marvelous section. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose with which he set forth in Christ. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, Verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with a promised holy. Do you guys remember who we are in Christ and what we have? It, I read this in a commentary. I don't remember which one. Let's say that you wake up tomorrow and you've you got a, a plumbing issue. It's going to cost you 500 bucks to fix. Let's make it worse. 5,000 bucks to fix. Who's going to be like, eh, no biggie? 5,000 bucks to fix. Let's imagine the day before you got a call from an attorney in Monaco. Turns out your, your dear aunt that you never met who had no kids and no other family died. And she left you $5 billion. $5 billion with a B. How much are you going to be sweating the $5,000 plumbing issue when you got a $5 billion inheritance. That's a light momentary affliction, no? Mm -hmm. If I understand Ephesians 1 properly, why am I running after the devil's junk? But I don't even have to sit in Ephesians 1. I can jump to Ephesians 2. And I was dead in the trespasses and sins in which I once walked following the course of this world. Schemes of the devil? 
following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now in work in the sons of disobedience, amongst whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the, listen close, the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Listen, you don't only have this great stuff, you have this great God who delights in you marvel at this we're not even done yet i mean we can go to ephesians 3 the mystery of the gospel fellow heirs members of the same body partakers of the promises of god through the gospel do you guys know what the promises of god are the promises of mcdonald's is they'll they'll give you a burger that's warm who cares What's the promises of God? He gives us all things in Christ Jesus. He'll satisfy every desire of your heart. He'll wipe away every tear. He'll make all things new. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will guide you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's better than a burger. It's better than a Bentley. It's better than a billion. But we're not even done yet. But I'll be done. My friends... Finally, Paul says at the very end, finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. There's still more. We'll do the more next week. But I want you, what I want you to understand, please, if God would be so gracious to help us land this well, as we see the goodness of God, as we see the reality of Scripture before us, we realize we live in the midst of a battle, except too often we're not on a wartime footing. And little by little, you know, it's, it's kind of like this question we ask sometimes in conversations, whatever happened to so-and-so? There are wartime casualties. For those who are saved, there's not eternal damnation. You're forgiven once and for all. But the devil loved to mess you up. For those who aren't saved, this is of no, you can't don the armor of God apart from Christ. But the armor of God is offered by grace through faith to whoever will turn to him and be saved. We live in the midst of a battle. If we don't realize we live in the midst of a battle, we'll often get injured, but we don't usually notice the injuries until it's way late down the way. You know, it, 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 well, I'll pick this up next time. As we don the armor of God, what we're doing, in a sense, is opening our mouths wide. 
Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man who takes refuge in him. Life hurts. Can we be honest? Life hurts. Saved or unsaved, life is hard. The goal is not to distract yourself with video games, Netflix, and purchases online. The goal is to gaze at truth clearly. As you wear the belt of truth, look at the one who is truth. His name is Jesus Christ, and he reigns. And as we abide in him, we will have the joy he intends for us as he prepares us for eternity. Take your struggle, whatever that struggle is. There's more than one. Amen? Emotional, relational, financial, vocational. Take your struggle. What's the devil trying to say to you with that? What a miserable failure you are. Nobody cares about you. Nobody likes you. If you don't look out for you, who's going to look out for you? Man, look at your track record. You are a proficient screwer-upper. Good job. <laughs> you think God loves you? Look at what you've done. This job here, this one will make you happy. That pretty thing over there, that, that'll make you happy. This purchase, that's going to make you... What does Jesus say to us? Does Jesus ever say to you, if you are in Christ, you're pathetic? What does Jesus say to you? How, how, does, how does Jesus see you? I mean, I, I just told us a minute ago, I've got to turn back and, and be reminded. Why did God save us? Because of his incredible love for us? Isn't it what it said back there? Does Jesus say you're pathetic? No. He says, I delight in you. He says, I love you, not in the, the, the superficial, worldly way, but in the way that some, some over-analytical fool like me would say, well, what, what do you mean by you love me? What do I mean by that? Well, see, I showed my love in this way. See, one, one will scarcely die for a righteous person, but perhaps for a good person, one would dare to, even to die. But, but I show my love in this, that while you were still a sinner, I died for you. I could say, what, what, why? Because I chose to. Because I chose you before the foundation of the world. So are you pathetic? No. You're priceless. You're treasured. You have value. Well, I, I can't do anything. I, I can't do anything good or meaningful or worthwhile. Mm, mm, not on your own. But there's not one of you. There's two of us, remember? You're a new creation in me. It's my power work within you. You can do all things through me who strengthens you. All right, well, God, why do I wrestle with depression? You tell me that if you're so good... Why do I wrestle with depression? The devil told me if you loved me, you'd make it go away. He said you're all powerful. He said you could do it. So why is it stuck? Why do I wrestle with depression, anxiety? Fill in your blank, right? What does Jesus say to that? Yeah, you got me there. No? Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsel? Who's given a gift to him that he might be repaid? He says, I know the answer, but how about this? I ask you to walk by faith. And one day you'll get a glimpse of why. He says, but, but I'm not, I'm not going to just leave you there. Let me give you a glimpse. Because in your weakness, you'll see my strength more clearly. Through your struggles, you'll be able to comfort others with the comfort with which I myself, says Jesus, comfort you. Through the, through the illustrations of the real, real historical narratives of Scripture, you see examples of how I tell you, why was this man born blind? What was the answer? That God would be glorified. Why do you struggle like that? That God may be glorified. And let us not forget Romans 8. I'm using it for your good, conforming you to the image of Christ. Do you see the inner dialogue that needs to take place in our lives? The devil will talk to you. 
You will talk to yourself. The world will try to convince you of things. But don the armor of God and start with the belt of truth and hear the word of God, as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says. Don't talk to yourself. Preach to yourself. Do you know the difference? Talking to yourself is sharing your wisdom with yourself. Preaching to yourself is allowing the word of God to dwell in you richly. If you round out the doctor's quote a little more fully, preach to one another. Don't offer pragmatic advice to one another. Well, if you guys are good, we'll just keep going for about another hour and we'll finish this off. I won't do that to you. I said we'd pray on the back end before we took communion. And, and let me try to set it up this way. As we come forward and, and partake of the Lord's Supper, this is a, a special meal, a special moment, a marvelous sacrament that can seem so ordinary because it becomes rather routine. You know, we used to go out to nice dinners growing up. Used to, my, my pa used to take me to Windows on the World for my birthday, top of the world trade center. Um, my kids have, have envy that, that their papa would eat it. Charlie, what's the restaurant? Delmonico's? Charlie, I don't know why I want to go to Delmonico's, but there's nice restaurants around, right? You go to a nice steakhouse, you go to a fancy restaurant, and it, it's something you prepare yourself for. Nobody shows up in a pair of shorts and a tank top at Windows on the World. You walk in, you go up the elevator, they walk in, there's, there's preparation, there's arrival. How much more so as we partake of the Lord's Supper? Some restaurants, you need a reservation to get in. Call ahead, you put your name. I always thought my pa shook the maitre d's hand because they were buddies, and one day I saw there's, there's money in there getting us the good table. You can't shake Jesus' hand for a good seat at the table. You don't get to call ahead and make a reservation, but if your name's not in the book, you don't have a seat at the table. You see, God made the reservation before the foundation of the world. And this isn't the, the peak. This is a signpost that points us to a peak because one day we who are in Christ will sup with him face to face. And you all know what the conversation will be like at the table. I think I've explained this. It'll go like this. Oh. He just walks around. No, no more tears, but he'll say anything about drooling. Have you ever noticed that? I think he'll wipe the drool. As we gaze upon the righteous and holy and perfect Lord of Lord and King of Kings, as you look at Jesus in his full humanity too, and allow the thought to go through your mind that the one you're looking at is the one who made all things. I mean, just chew on that for a minute. Yeah, you see why you were going to do this? Uh, like, that's about the extent. But why do we do this? Well, in part because we're in the midst of a battle waiting for the return of the conquering king to make all things new again. And, and as we struggle through the battle in the strength of his might and flounder in the strength of ourselves and we're restored by him by grace yet again and again and again, we need to be reminded of the foundational truths of who Christ is and who we are. So he says to his people, do this in remembrance of me. Well, what are we remembering? Not just that there's a guy named Jesus who came and died and rose, but who this guy Jesus is. Do you all remember what Jesus means? See, it's so casual. It's so easy to forget. It's so quick to go by. We say the name. We don't realize it means God saves. How often do you think of that when you say his name or when you communicate to someone? 
So when they say, I don't believe in Jesus, you don't believe God saves? Or we say, I, 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 anyway, stay focused, John. My friends, as we come forward today, as we prepare ourselves to come forward, let us marvel at the fact that God has made a place, secured a place, guaranteed a place at his table so that we might eat with him, pointing to the intimacy of fellowship we not only have now, but will have one day in full with him. But don't miss this. It's only for those who are saved. It's only for those who have been born anew in Christ. And you may say, well, that's kind of intolerant and exclusive. Well, yes, God is intolerant of sin and exclusive to intimate fellowship with his own people. But how gracious that anyone who turns to him can and will be saved. So as we prepare ourselves, let me try it this way. How can we be praying for one another? in light of who we are in Christ and who Christ is, living in the midst of a battle where the devil seeks to destroy. How can we be praying for one another? He stole that from you, Renee. Amen. Praying for one another. Praying even for ourselves that we would, um, that God would help us, strengthen us to focus, and that he might use us to help one another focus upon the reality of who Christ is and who we are in him. Yes, sir. Yeah, he, does, he does put signs all abound and some unique signs before us in, in the corporate gathering through the sacraments. Um, and the cadence of life God establishes for his people with a, a weekly Sabbath, a weekly gathering of his people. Um, life lived alongside one another. The sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, Ebenezer's the Lord establishes as we sojourn on our way home to glory. Yes, ma'am. to read the Bible more and to learn more. I know you're louder than that, but yeah, how about that God would give us by his spirit an increasing desire to desire to hear from him through his word and to delight in his word. Do you realize that's not a natural thing you can muster up on your own? It's not like you go to the gym for six months and maybe you start to like going to the gym so you stick with it. It doesn't work that way with scripture. 
God can cause us by his spirit as his people to see his word as more precious than gold, even much fine gold. That's, that's why we should pray when we read scripture, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your laws, the psalmist prays. So yeah, let's be praying that God by his spirit would give us a desire to delight in his word for what it is. Let's pray. Lord, as we prepare ourselves to come to your table, I pray that by your spirit, you would help us to come well, <clears throat> to come joyfully, to come humbly, to come expectantly, to come reverently, to come with eyes, spiritual eyes, that are focused upon you a bit more fully today. Holy Spirit, would you do that for us by your power for, our, for your glory? Would you help us to, to rid our eyes of the distractions and deceits that cause us to not see you clearly? Would you heal our wounds with the balm of Gilead, the gospel? Would you anoint our eyes with truth so that we might gaze upon you in light of who you truly are, who we are in you, and be prepared in your power to trust in that as the world, the flesh, and the devil try to convince us otherwise. Lord, we think of stories of parents who tell their kids, stay away from the white van with the man offering candy. Lord, while we would not as adults get into a white van offering candy, help us realize the devil doesn't drive a white van with candy. He comes in different ways. And like little children, we are easily enticed by the wares of this world. Lord, help us to enjoy the good things in your creation, but keeping them as good things, not elevating them to the point of idols. Lord, thank you for the so many ways you are so kind to us, particularly as your people. Thank you for the, the, the means of grace you bestow upon us and forgive us for thinking them commonplace or even unnecessary. Help us to see them as exactly what they are, things you entrust to us for our good and strength and nourishment leading to your glory. Lord, help us never take for granted what may seem so ordinary, a gathering each Lord's day with your people, a partaking of communion, the ability to pray with and for one another, to encourage one another with the gospel. For Lord Jesus, your spirit is with us and at work amongst us in ways we cannot fathom through these things. Lord, help us, for we are an easily distractible people. We are a people who are made to delight, yet in the flesh we delight in all of the wrong things way too easily. Help us, Lord Jesus, to delight ourselves in you, for you tell us that as we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. Help us to see more clearly what Paul means when he tells of how he learned to be content so we might have the joy you've made available for all of us in and through you, our Lord Jesus Christ. 
As we come to your table, Lord, help us to marvel at your great love for us and power towards us in living a life we never could, in dying a death that we deserve, but yet by the power of the Holy Spirit, rising from the grave, conquering sin and death, and giving new life to those who trust in you. Lord Jesus, you are, in fact, the bread of life. You are living water. You are the good shepherd. You are our perfect friend. You are our brother. You are our creator. You are our redeemer. You are so much more. Holy Spirit, help us to slow down and to use these minds you've entrusted to us, enabled and energized by your Spirit, to hear you, to understand you, and to rest and rejoice in you for the joy you set before us and the glory we are able to bring you through such. Lord, strengthen us through the sacrament, encourage us, mature us, and use us so we might boast in you more fully. In your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. I invite